0: Ephesians chapter <coughs> excuse me Ephesians chapter 4 we'll be looking at verses 17 through 24 then we will pick it up at Romans chapter 8 and verse number 31 reading from the king james version and it reads <coughs> this i say therefore and testify in the lord that ye henceforth walk not as other gentiles walk In the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God. Through the ignorance that's in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling. Have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him. And have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on... The new man, which after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Follow me to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 31. And it reads there. What shall we then say to these things? If God be us, who can be against us? Continuing on in our teaching, uh, entitled Data Processing. Data Processing. Please raise your Bibles with me. Let's make our declaration. Repeat after me. This book of the law, this book of the law shall, not shall not depart out of my mouth. Of my mouth. But, I but I will meditate, meditate therein, therein day, and night. day and night. I will observe... To do according to to all all that is written written therein. therein. For then then my way way shall be prosperous, prosperous, and then then I will will have good success. success. Tell somebody I'm getting ready to be blessed. You may take your seats. (laughs) Data processing. Data processing or data processing. Purpose in our lesson that we're teaching is um, concerning, of course, decision-making. And that is that we are to understand that decision-making is critical to the action that will be taken. Again, the purpose of our lesson really is to help us to understand that decision-making Is critical to the action that will be taken. So we're actually really dealing with, actually dealing with processing how we actually process data. And again, the purpose purpose is to understand that decision making is critical to the action that will be taken. Okay. Whatever decision I make there's a corresponding action to it. Amen? So, we're really dealing with processing data, processing information, getting to a place that we make good choices, good decisions. Amen? Amen. And as we have our text there, we're looking as Paul's talking to the church uh, at Ephesus, and he's teaching them about their difference in that now they are born again, that they are saved and that they don't behave as they used to behave. And he begins to show them their behavior in contrast to the new behavior in Christ. And then I pulled in the 31st verse of Romans chapter eight, where Paul's talking to the church at Rome. And I just pull out that one particular verse and he says, and what shall we say to these things? Okay. now, again, I I can't stress it. Enough that as believers, I know you've heard this before, but don't turn me off. Don't tune me out. I really need us to be conscious because faith, the Bible says that faith comes, cometh by hearing. So it's what we're hearing right now that's going to produce the faith for our right nows. It's not what we have heard. It didn't say faith comes by what we have heard. Faith comes by what we are hearing. E-T-H what we constantly hear, okay? What we're constantly hearing. A lot of people think that uh, because they had success yesterday or last week or last month, that they're going to have success now just automatically. No, you're not going to automatically have success. We always have to be built up and strengthened in our faith. Amen? (coughs) Always get that. Please always understand that. Some people say, I got that already. No, 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 because this thing may come, the same thing may come again, but in a different way. And you got to know how to address it. You got to know exactly what it is that you're looking at and know how to address it successfully. When you get strong in an area, you don't rest there. Here's what I mean by that. Once you get strong in an area, you have to maintain that now. Okay, you have to maintain when you get there and you got things clicking. Hallelujah. You can dance about it. And that's nice. Okay, but you have to maintain. We have to maintain that level where we've gone to. You got to hold your victory, y'all. Okay, because you are not guaranteed victory tomorrow. You got to stay strong so you can fight tomorrow. All right. So just because you heard this before, don't mean that you don't need to hear it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. So then our decision making is going to be very, very important. So it's our process. The way we process is very, very critical. Amen. Tell your neighbor it's time for us to win. Now go ahead and tell them this. No more defeats. That was one of the biggest things, one of the big things that Morris Cirillo, evangelist Morris Cirillo used to always talk about. Morris Cirillo used to always talking about uh, no more defeats, no more defeat, no more defeat, no more defeat. Amen. All right. So now let's be strengthened now in processing data. Okay. Now, <clears throat> when I talk in terms of processing data, I'm really talking about how we handle information. How we handle information, okay? How we handle the information that's coming in, and for a believer, we have a lot of things that we have to respond to. Amen. We have a lot of things that we see in the world that we have to respond to. Lots of things, okay? Anything from um, anything from uh, all kinds of relationships, whether it's the male and female relationship. Whether it is the, uh, the man, human to church relationship. How do I relate to the church or the body of Christ? Whether it is the saint to saint type of relationship. Whether it is relatives in that relationship, all the nepotism and all of those kind of things. How we, how we manage relationships. Very, very important. Amen. I have this thing about being objective. And I'll say this to leaders and potential leaders, I'll tell you to everybody, that as, if you're going to be a successful leader, you must always maintain an objective perspective. You always have to maintain an objective perspective. The moment you lose the objective perspective, you begin to play favorites you play favorites or you make decisions based upon emotions you got to be objective amen your family members don't get better treatment than the rest of everybody has to be treated fairly amen and we're not judging people we always judge the actions and the incidences and the things that have occurred. When you know how to separate people from deeds, then you're on your way to being a good leader. Amen. And then those who are being led, followers, to be a good follower. I'm not really sure why I'm traveling down this road, but let me go ahead. To be a good follower you always have to understand that if you are ever rebuked for anything or ever have to be chastised or you have to be redirected in a thing, always understand that it's not you that's under attack. That, so you know, now, if we tell you you didn't do a good job, we're not, we're not saying that you are not good. We're saying that the job that you carried out was not done in an excellent fashion. So you have to be careful not to not to merge what's being said and take it personal. Amen. Any of us in here have the potential of doing something in a not so good way, in a mediocre way. And if we say you didn't do a good job, we did not say that you were a bad person. But people do that. Okay. I'm trying to build, put some, you know, so we can grow some teeth for this thing now. OK, you can't take things personal because we're not talking about you. It's the job that you did. Always understand, it's the job. We, we, we're, we're judging the job, not you. God's God's your judge. We're dealing with the work that you have performed. Are you all with me? OK, so with that in mind, I'm going to weave it back in here is how we process data. How you handle what you see. Okay, this new, this, this, this weather, it changed. Okay, how, how do we respond to that? What are we saying to it? Okay, are we saying this is the day the Lord has made and I will (laughs) rejoice and be glad in it? Or are we just mad about it done got cold again and windy, messing up our little flow? Okay, now I know that's, I know that's real. You know, I, I, know that's, that's, that's kinda, you know, just, I'm just kinda being picky, but I need to be sometime. And you need to be too. Okay? But it's really how we respond to things. Okay, you're supposed to take delivery today. It didn't happen today. How you gonna handle that? You've been waiting for that thing and now today's the day they say you're supposed to take delivery on it. Well, it didn't happen. Drivers got, got hung up. Things happened. You couldn't take delivery on that thing that you had ordered, that you were waiting for. You can clear it out, space for it in the house, in the garage. You, you couldn't take delivery on it. How are you going to handle that? What's your response to that? David had to deal with it, too, because David got caught up one time looking at the wicked and how they were prospering as he thought. He thought they were prospering and he was looking at himself. He was, he was, he had that disease. He was comparing. He had comparisonitis. He was looking at others. Those who wasn't even living right and then looking at, looking at the wicked while he was looking at the wicked. Now he was looking at them process, you know, prospering. So he thought and not himself. And he was like, what's going on here? God had to deal with him with that. Okay. What do you say to that? What do we say to those things? Hello. What do you say about your brother and sister who've, who's going through a challenge right now? How do you handle that? Okay, are you point your finger at him or you say, see, 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 told you so, told you so. What are you saying to that? What do you say to someone who, who you come to church with every day and all of a sudden now you see them prospering and you're not yet a believer? How do you handle that? Are you all with me? I really want to get us to a place that we have right responses to things as believers. And again, how would Jesus respond to situations? Data processing. Philippians 2. Go there real quick. Philippians 2. Verse number 5. I'm already there, so I'm going to go, okay? Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Watch, how, watch his attitude. Watch his disposition. Let me keep reading. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it shares with us his mindset or his disposition concerning something now. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Y'all see that? But watch this. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. He who is God now becomes a servant. Okay? made himself no reputation took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men now how, how, i mean come on this this is deity now now he's becoming a human his disposition how did he handle that no problem no problem he thought it not robbery to be equal with god but he took upon him the form of a servant i think this is good bible says he made where am i there am i okay the bible says that now he he uh, uh where am i Ooh, uh, looking for something looking for something in there i guess i must have hit it already so let me go back again who been form got the good? but made himself okay seven but made of himself of no reputation And y'all heard, some of y'all heard me say this before. If you don't make no reputation of yourself, then you have, you don't have one to have to uphold. Amen. Bible says he made of himself no reputation. In other words, here's the deal. The man knew who he was. And to submit himself to something, He didn't lose himself. He knew who he was, but that's the power of knowing who you are. When you know who you are, you become more flexible. When you know who you are, you are more versatile. Come on, because you never lose who you are just because you're submitted to someone. That's the strength of who you are. That's the confidence of who you are to know that I can submit to you. I can submit I can submit to Vanessa right now. I'm her pastor, but I can submit to her and never have a problem being pastor. I can still be pastor, but yet submitted. I don't lose who I am because I'm submitted to, to Vanessa. Because I already know who I am. Amen. Even if she, she tells me... Because I'm submitted, she can tell me, I need you to do this. I can get it done without a problem. You know why? Because I know who I am. That's the strength of who you are. That's the confidence of who you are when you're able to be more versatile than just be one thing. I think, to me, I think that's great. Amen. Amen. It's a disposition. It's a mindset that you and I have to have. And it's the mindset of Christ. He is the premier example. You watch him. See how he did it. This man was deity and he became human. Not only human, that's, that's a step in and of itself. But then he became a servant. The man walked around at one time and the disciples, I'm sure they were confused because the man had a towel and he began to get a basin of water and wash their feet. Peter said, I can't do that. He said, I can't let you do that. After Jesus dealt with him, he said, just give me a whole bath. Just go ahead. Just just, just hook me up. Give me a whole bath. (laughs) Okay. Y'all with me? Okay. Now, let's go back Ephesians. Let's go to work. We've looked at verse 17 because what we're doing now is we've been... I've been taking it, tearing it down now. We've been going verse by verse looking at it because we really want to see the contrast of who they are now versus who they were as a people. Okay? We're really looking at contrast because Paul is working on them... Paul is urging them. Paul is really, 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 really pleading with them to help them to understand you are different now. Okay. Remember, I already provided the scenario that even as Paul is urging, you have to understand that if you grew up in a certain culture, a certain way, it is not as easy as it is said to become something else. They were steeped in their culture. You know, there was a certain way they lived. If you're a heathen, you live like a heathen. You know, and that's your lifestyle. And now that you are born again now, your spirit is alive, you have a desire for God, but that lifestyle still is connected to you. You know what I mean? Because that's all you know. And so when someone tries to bring something different to you, there's sometimes there is a little bit of some friction. Because you don't know that yet. All you know is what you're used to. So Paul is really showing them in contrast. And he's digging in. I love the way he's digging in this thing. And showing them who they were before, who they are. You caught that one, didn't you? Okay. So he says now... This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye he, that he henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, but how other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Remember, we dealt with that. Right. Eighteen. Having the understanding darkened. Remember, we dealt with that. Right. Being alienated from the life of God. We dealt with that through the ignorance. We dealt with ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Nineteen. We spent last week sp- spending time on nineteen who being past feeling have given themselves over unto (laughs) lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. We dealt with that because we begin to look at debauchery, remember that, and seared conscience. We looked at that, okay? Connected you with Romans 9 and 1. Don't go there, but just kind of listen to it real quickly, Romans 9 and 1. It says in the Amplified, I am (laughs) speaking, excuse me, He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying, Paul says. My conscience, enlightened and prompted by the Holy Spirit, bearing witness with me. Remember we dealt with that? Let me give it to you in the New International Version. Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. Watch this. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. So we're now at the place where we're talking about this conscience now. The conscience. Okay. Mind has three components. Okay. Our conscious, our subconscious, and our conscience. Okay. As we're talking about our conscience, we're saying the conscience is the seat of our belief. That's our decision maker. That's where we make decisions from, our conscience. That's our belief system. That's, that's what we really really believe. No matter what we say, that house is what we really believe. And there are many people who are conflicted. They're saying one thing, but acting out another. And Paul is trying to get them, get their speech and their behavior to line up. Okay? Okay? So conscience, in the conscience, that is where our decision-making comes from, out of the mind. That's the third component of the mind. That's our decision-maker. That's our belief system. Okay? That's, there is what I really believe. So many times we do things that we didn't mean to do. I didn't mean to do that, but I did it. And sometimes I continue to do that, and each time I do it, I don't mean to do it. But what has happened is my conscience has established as the system there. It's already established to make decisions based upon that information that's in there. So I will make the same decision every time, even though I didn't mean to. I have to change that. Okay, I have to change that. I didn't mean to do it, but I keep doing it. It seemed like there's a conflict and there is, but there is a resolve for that conflict. And that's where we are. That's where we are. Okay, I said that our conscience is shaped by four factors. Repetitious information. Y'all remember? Repetitious information. Number two. the environment that we grew up in or are in now. Number three, significant others. And number four, experiences. Again, number one, our, our conscience is shaped by four factors. Number one, repetitious information, what we hear over and over and over and over and over again. Number two, Number two, the environment that we grew up in or in now simply says that where we are, where we grew up, speaks to us. If we lived in a neighborhood, we grew up in a neighborhood and, you, and the glass broke on, in the house, a window broke in the house. You put cardboard in it back then. When you, when you get some money, move out into another area, get a nice house. If the window breaks, that's what you're going to do. You're not going to go to the store or call somebody and have them come over with their truck and all that. No. Where a cardboard at? You're going to go in the basement. Go find some cardboard in the basement. You're going to get one of them moving boxes. You're going to cut it out and you're going to mash it right in the window. You're going to fix it right up in the window. That's nice. Okay. You don't want to do that, but that's what's in your, that's what you're used to. Your environment shaped you to do that. Number three. Number three, credible others or significant others. Credible others or significant others. There's people who are in leadership. People you respect. Whether they're contemporaries of your day or whether they're historical people that we read about and have heard about. Whether it's policemen, whether it's preachers, whether it's teachers. Come on, whether it's basketball players, whether it's baseball players, football players. Okay, Whether it's those with the reality shows. Uh, 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 wives of uh, Atlanta. I don't know if I said it right, but y'all know what I mean. Okay. I think they got them of L.A. now or something. I could be wrong. They got Now they got these preacher format, these reality shows now. There's another one coming out again. There's a, another one they're bringing out now. They're bringing out the daughters again. I think there's another season of the preacher's daughters coming out. I don't know why they're bringing out all this wild stuff, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. People we see on TV. And then, of course, uh, the last one is uh, experiences. Whatever has happened in your life has shaped the way you believe in life. Okay. Somebody said, well, that can't happen. You say, what happened to me? And since it happened to you, then you will never believe that it can't happen. It's real simple. You go to somebody's house, they got a dog. Oh, he don't bite. Our first thing is, got teeth, right? (laughs) We had a martial arts uh, trainer who had a school in the back, in the studio area in the back. And, uh, you know, he was my trainer. He worked me out personally. And uh, that was a good day, good times for me. I got to get back to something. But anyway, but, you know, he, he, uh, uh, he had a dog and he had they're very, the the dog, he had very ugly dog. And everybody look at it. Oh, it's so cute. It's an ugly dog. It's a special dog. You know what I mean? It's got the real ugly, ugly face, but I guess it's a cute dog. But it's a very, very, you know, very expensive dog, right? And uh, I said, it's going to get big. He said, no, that's about as big as they get. I said, okay, big old face, little old body like. Right. And uh, he bring him in sometime. You know, I'm trying to work out, but I got my eye on the dog. And then he had the nerve to tell me he ain't going to bite. Right. And I didn't believe him that after a few weeks, because he hadn't bitten me in a few weeks, I started putting my guard down against the dog. Okay, and the dog just go in this, this park somewhere while I'm working out? Right. Ain't no problem. OK. Then when the trainer would walk somewhere, he knows the trainer going, he would go to the train. And then the train went out to the bathroom one time. And I'm in the room with the dog. Okay. He don't bite. Okay, he don't bite. So I'm trying to act like he don't bite. Okay, I'm trying to keep that there. I'm trying to keep it right. He don't bite. Okay. And the dog raised up, right? And he kind of, almost like he was circling around me. <laughs> Looked like he was circling around me. Right. And and then he went and sat down on on the other side. I said, okay, I got my, I know where you are. Okay. And then, you know, trainer came back in. And I said, you know, he moved from over there, over here. He said, oh, no, don't worry about it. Right. And then I was in in between one of my little short little breaks. Because I was sitting on the floor, one of my little breaks, you know, trying to catch my breath. I had 20 seconds in between before my next routine. And then the dog came over to me, just sniffing. I said, all right, all right, so let me just go ahead and pet him, right? And my knees was up in the air, and the dog, he, you know, he, he went for my knee, right? He just didn't open his mouth wide enough to get my knee, but just enough to bump my knee. And when he did that, I said, you have to remove this dog because he tried to bite me. <laughs> you said he don't bite. Right? You punish the dog all day long. You punish him. Punish him. Right? But I'm convinced that he bites. So from then on, I would not work out while the dog was in there. Experiences. Yes. Help to shape the way you believe. <laughs> hey. My mind. So now, with this in mind, understanding how the conscience works, those four factors shape the way we believe. Now, you have to understand now that these Ephesians, they had these experiences. They've had these repetitious things happening. They've been in an environment that shaped the way they believe and saw life. Hello. Okay. Credible people, you know what I mean, how they saw life. They believe that. Okay. They're now established in that system of processing. Y'all with me? Now, As a believer, it is important to have our conscience, my God, prompted by the Holy Spirit. You cannot let your conscience be your guide if the Holy Spirit is not in you, number one, and then prompting you, number two, in your conscience. In other words, our conscience has to be, watch this, our conscience has to be now reshaped by new repetitious information. Come on, y'all. Has to be reshaped by new credible significant others. Reshaped by a new environment. Are y'all here? Reshaped by new experiences. Because if I don't get new experiences, hearing new things over and over again, in a different environment, and seeing different leadership, I'm going to continue to behave the way I've been behaving, even though I'm born again. I've got to change. I have to now, watch this y'all, I have to now begin to embrace these settings. When we come into uh, Bible study, when we come into our our, our worship experience on Sunday, please understand that when we come in and we begin and we're asking everybody to come in early, we ask all the departments to come in early. We're not asking you to come in early because we're trying to rule you and just be over you. No, what we're saying is that you play such a significant role in our worship experience that what you do on your assignment prepares the atmosphere and environment for things to flow the way God wants it to flow. And then when we begin our time of praise and worship, come on, that's not a time that we're just doing something till everybody come to church. There should be a plan. I need to get there to prayer. I need to get there for a time of praise and worship. Because praise and worship establishes an atmosphere, an environment, not only for us to worship, but for God to rule and reign in. Come on now. When the environment is charged, when God is sitting on his throne, when God is pointing his scepter, when God is turning his face towards you, when God's smiling and releasing favor in the place, when the anointing of God begins to flow, I'm trying to tell you, it creates an environment, an atmosphere of heaven right here. And when you live in an environment like that, my, 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 when you live in an environment like that, it shapes the way you see life. It begins to change your perspective on things. You begin to walk out saying God can do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have been in an atmosphere, in an environment where God is moving. Simply because somebody is praising, hallelujah, shouting for joy and worshiping and praying. God is moving and we experience it. No man could do these things. God is doing it. It establishes an environment. And my God, when you leave an environment like that, you long to be in it. Hallelujah. Church over, y'all. Why y'all still? I'm going. I'm going to eat. There's some folks ain't thinking about eating now because they have been overwhelmed. Come on. Overwhelmed by the environment of God. There is no craving nor desire to eat. Your stomach don't even growl at you. You don't got time to even listen to anything else. All you know, you're in the presence of Almighty God. And that place is the place that you never want to leave. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It creates an environment. You come in here and you get a dude like me who keep repeating the word of God over and over again. You heard it before, but hear it again for the first time. Keep repeating repetitions, information. You heard it. Some of that I heard in the last message. Some of I heard some of this in the message before that. I keep hearing the same things in the message in a different context, but some of the same things are happening. What am I doing? This establishing repetition. You keep hearing it over, over and over. I received the message from this past Sunday. From this past Sunday, on my way down to Norwalk for service, and I received the message on my way down, saying, that song that you did in service is still ringing in my ears. Still ringing in my ears. There is no God like our God. Still ringing in my ears. And that's the first time you heard it. First time it was taught. I taught it in the service. How did I do it? I kept repeating it over and over and over and over and over until you couldn't look away and talk no more. You had to get involved now. Now you were singing it, singing it, singing it until it got inside your head. Then it got inside your spirit. You kept singing over and over. And then you say, yeah, there's no God like my God. No savior like my savior. No healer like my healer. You know what I mean? It gets in you because we're hearing it over and over and over again in an environment that's charged. Hallelujah. You think your worship leaders are not significant? They're ushering you into the presence of God. I'm just saying everything that's happening in, in, in places like this or wherever the people of God are, when you create an environment, it creates also a system. This is how I believe. So now when I'm dealing with stuff, I deal with it, come on, with the environment, not on the outside, but with the environment on the inside of me. I live with it, watch this, I live with a consciousness of God. Hallelujah. I'm God conscious. Everywhere I am, God conscious. There's some things I don't do anymore, not because I don't want to do them. I just don't have no room for it. Are <laughs> y'all here? that? just ain't no room for that up in here. Hallelujah. Glory, Glory, Glory to, God. to God. Now look at verse 20. Because I, I I got stuck. I didn't mean to. Verse 20. Paul says. Ephesians 4 verse 20. I'm sorry. We're back there. He says. After he dealt with all that stuff. But You. Have not so learned Christ. He said, but you've not so learned Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. He says, but you, in comparison to what I just described, Paul said, but you, not so. He said, everything, Paul said, everything I just described. He said, that's not you. Not you, not so. Mm-mm. You have learned Christ. You grew up in that as a culture. You're born again now. So now you don't do those things anymore. Not you. You've learned Christ. That's what he's saying in verse 20. He says that ain't you. No, no. You have learned Christ. That's what he's really saying. He said, that's not, that is not you. That behavior is not you. You've learned Christ. That's what he's saying. Yeah. That's not you. You've learned Christ. You've learned Christ. You've learned, 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 right? Everybody say pupil. Come on, say student. You've learned. In other words, you have become a disciple. You've learned Christ. Okay? You've learned. How do you learn something? You have to hang around. You gotta hang around the something to learn that. How you gonna learn Christ over there? You learn Christ over here. Where is He? Wherever He is, that's, <laughs> that's where we learn that. Everything that he is about, we learn there. Everything that he is for, we learn at the feet of that. Right there. Yeah. You can't expect. Oh, Lord, help me through here. You can't expect to learn Christ up in a bar, up in a club. You have no righteous expectation to learn Christ there. That's not being taught there. You, you don't learn Christ by continuing going into the store and standing in that other line getting your tickets. You got a little quieter. Do I have to labor on that? You've not so learned Christ. <laughs> Are you still in the lines buying numbers because you need to hit the jackpot? And don't justify it and ask me whether I'll take the money if you get it or not. I'm going to take it. I'll settle that down. So don't try to justify you doing that whether I'm going to take it or not. Don't include me in that. No, 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 no. You put dirty money in clean hands, we'll change that thing for the kingdom of God. The money that some of y'all have in your pocket right now was just down in Ledger the other, the other day. It's just circulated. So don't play me like that. Why are you up in the store buying buying tickets? You mean to tell me (coughs) that your faith is that small and that your confidence is that small that your God would have you in a line? Looking for accidental fortune. That's called luck, y'all. Looking for accidental fortune rather than being with a sure thing in him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That stuff. No, 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 no. You're born again. You've not so learned Christ. Not you. You have learned Christ differently. We don't buy numbers. We don't have to buy numbers. Y'all better shout that out. The Bible says wealth that's gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Some of us playing. Fooling around. Man, buying the tickets and getting the cigs, cigarettes, getting the cigs and getting the blacks and all the, all the other thing. Just, just that, you know, that's not what we do in Christ. He's telling the Galatians, y'all don't do that no more. You don't find yourselves up in a place anymore now in brothels and things of that nature. You don't go there no more. No. You ain't asking nobody to make it rain no more. Did he say that? I ain't talking about God either. Like, yeah. Yeah, Cause I said Saturday, no worship, no rain. <laughs> I ain't talking about that. I'm gonna get me some, get me some ones and some fives. <laughs> I'm gonna make it rain. Get it, <laughs> you gonna make it rain for me <laughs> and cut it out. All right, that was for the fellas. All right, for the ladies. stay. You know what I'm talking about too. You get your ones too. Your ones and your fives. Getting ready to get married? You're going to have a little party before, right? Just shut it down. Cut it out. You're having a little party, a little bachelorette party. I'm going to get it out. (laughs) Yes, I am. A bachelor and bachelorette. No, no. Not you. We've learned Christ. Are y'all in here with me? I'm not trying to throw off, but I'm just trying to share with you something here. There's a difference. Come on, tell somebody there's a difference. And I'm not talking about no legalism either. I'm talking about your life now should be so consumed with Christ until the other stuff there is no room for. something else (laughs) sometimes you got to tell yourself now look at what he says there and let me keep moving here so we can finish up in these next few moments here verse 21 if so be y'all with me if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, he's still talking from verse 20. He's talking about the learning process, learning Christ. Okay. If we were in college and I was teaching on, on, on Christology, I would take you there right now. Okay. Because it's really now, the lesson really is about Christ. Not just about Christ, the lesson is Christ. Amen. It's learning him. So I would teach you all the things about Christology there. It's learning him. It's not learning. Watch this. My pursuit is not learning how to be prosperous. It's not my pursuit. No, my pursuit is Christ. Come on, y'all. That's my pursuit, Christ. Oh, Paul says that I may know him. In the fellowship of his suffering, and in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. Because if I know him, then I got the strategy for my situation. My son was sharing something with me that just kind of struck with me. <laughs> and as we were talking, we was just sharing something. And I begin to see it as how many many people are who have uh, become Christians or who say they are Christians, but they don't embrace the things of God. They don't thirst for the things of God. They don't hunger for the thirst of God. They <clears throat> they have fit God into their schedule. Okay, he said it better than that. But but they they, they kind of just they 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 as convenience they they fit God into their schedule. That's how some people are. They just kind of put, fit, fit God in. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do God today. I need to pray. I know I need to pray, but let me pray now. Okay? But there is no, <laughs> there is no conviction. There's no conviction there to get up and go. To get to the house of the Lord. No conviction to get involved in, in, in the things of God. No conviction. I'll, I'll do it every now and then. I'm gonna pray every now and then. It's always interesting to me when I do funerals. All of a sudden, everybody somehow, somehow becomes spiritual that day. Yes. If I've seen it once. I've seen it a hundred times. I've gone to meet with families, you know, at funeral homes and sat and helped to negotiate the whole process, help the family and be with the family. And I love doing that. I really, really do. I love being with families, helping them get through that process. I love it. I love it. I love it because it allows God now to move into those moments now where he has their attention. You know, some of them anyway. <laughs> but have their attention. And I love being in that process. And, and it's just it's amazing to me, though, how everybody, you know, during that time, everybody has a spiritual thing. They have need now for the preacher. Because this is what the preacher is for. Right, right, right. But the moment, the amen, and we go to the cemetery and we go there and we earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust until the that gentle the great day of the general resurrection, you know, after we pronounce the final words, right? And then all of a sudden you hear cars, Scoor! They're going over over now to the to the Elks or to wherever we're going to the place, right? <coughs> For the repast. You know what I mean? And now they are just gonna just do it. Everybody done lost the spirituality now. Now we you know, this is not God right here. God was there in the funeral. Now this is something else right here. You know, God becomes a convenience to people. We use him when we need him. Don't need you right now, Lord. When I need you, I'll give you a call. I got your number. And then they, then they, things go real bad. Then they want you to pray to get it, to fix it for them. Amen. I'm not throwing it off. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? That's what we're contending with. And, I'm, and I'm, my, 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 my prayer is that we get to a place where we understand God is not a convenience. He says now, in verse number, where am I, 21? <coughs> if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Here it is, 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Is that in your Bible? When he talks about putting off the conversation of the old man, he's talking about putting off principles, habits, and dispositions of the soul. Putting off principles, habits, and dispositions of the soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Also, your imagination and your intellect. Okay? So now it's talking about putting off conversation or behavior of the old man, dealing with putting off principles, habits, and dispositions of the soul. Sin, watch this, sin is the soul, excuse me, sin in the soul corrupts its faculties and if not addressed, will grow worse and worse, causing destruction. I talked a little bit about, a lot actually last week, about deceitful lust. It's killing you softly. Deceitful lust is the enjoyment of fleshly pleasures while killing you in the process. Enjoying the fleshly pleasures, numbing you, and fleshly pleasures... While, and while you are numb, sticking you in your side. As we used to say, jugging you. <laughs> okay. Jugging you. No. no. <laughs> Sin in the soul corrupts its faculties, and if not addressed, will grow worse and worse, causing destruction. Now, pull up for me, Romans 8 and 13, please. Anybody getting anything from this? Breaking this down because we're still talking about decision-making because if we're still contending with some of these things that Paul is urging the Ephesians away from, telling them that you are not that way anymore, if we're still dealing with that, that's the application now, if we're still dealing with those things, now we've got to get to the place where we have to now get rid of those things. Because we're supposed to be in a place now where we're learning Christ. Okay? Okay. Sin, if not addressed. I'll say it again. Relevant. Sin, if not addressed, will continue to get worse and worse. That's what deceitful lust is all about. It's being in a place where you are fooled and absolutely tricked and dis- and deceived. Sin, when sin reigns, when sin is in rulership, when sin has dominion. I don't care how much you think you can control it. You cannot control it. You are not the Lord in that arena. You are a slave in that arena. And things that you said you would not do, I don't even believe you. And the reason why, I say I, you are not to be believed because you are not in control. If you're in control, then cut it out. But you're not in control, and because sin is in control, what happens if it is not dealt with and deaded? what will happen is it will get worse and worse, and the things you said you would never do, you end up doing it. And you you got to hear me on this. You cannot beat sin in your own flesh. Sin loves flesh and sin will eat up your flesh for lunch. You can in your own strength. You cannot beat sin. You can't beat it. You cannot beat it in your flesh. And if it's unaddressed and dealt with, it will get worse and worse inside of your soul. It causes decay. It causes corruption in your soul. Your thinking starts getting off, perverted, all that kind of stuff. You get all these crazy thoughts in your head. You start dealing with crazy stuff. You start doing crazy stuff. Boy, I want to say some of it. I can't. But you start doing things, you know what I mean? No, the saints can't see you, but God sees you. Don't you know that? But sin is so deceptive, lust is so deceitful until you don't even realize God is looking at you right there. I mean, right there. God's not looking. You pulled the curtain. What does that mean? What does that mean? God is looking right at it. and and, And the deception is that this thing is ruling and eating you alive in your soul. Your mind is getting ate up. Your will is becoming passive. You can't shut stuff down. It's just happening. Emotion. Your emotions are up and down. Up and down. You're angry today. Got a hole in the wall. I wish I could punch somebody. You punch the wall. Come on, I need an outlet. No, you needed self-control. No, really. You, you need something. You need God. You need the Holy Ghost in you, the fruit of the Spirit being developed in you. Amen. Amen. Crying, trying to get your, aunt, trying to get some, persuade somebody because you're crying. It's killing you softly. bird of flat. don't worry about it if you don't know who she is that's from the old folks era <laughs> hey i just heard about none let me to stop y'all like romans eight look at what it says verse number 13 for if ye live after the flesh ye shall what okay okay maybe it didn't say that let me, see, let me try to read it again For if ye live after the flesh ye shall no i can't. let me read it one more time because maybe it doesn't say that If you live after the flesh, ye shall die. Watch this. But if you live, but if ye through the spirit do, come on, is that word, mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall, come on, live. Go to to uh, Colossians real quick. Colossians, chapter 3. If you can find the amplified version of Colossians, chapter 3, verse number 5, that would be wonderful. Amplify. Now, who has the King James version real quickly? Verse number five, Colossians chapter three. Who has it? Raise your hand. Okay. Read it real loud. Whoever has it first, just stand and read it. No, no, no. King James. I'm sorry. King James. First. I want to King James. Yeah. Mortify Therefore, your members, which are upon the earth. Yeah. Uh huh yes concupiscence yeah yes okay thank you I think that's it for five right yes, alright look at what it says there in the in the um, yeah put it back up for me in the uh, amplified so kill okay that's if you want to know what mortified means there it is right there So kill. That means if you kill something, that means there ain't no life left in it. Y'all with me? So then kill or mortify. Nice word. Mortician. Mortify. So kill, deadened, watch this, deprive of power, the evil desire flesh lurking in your members. Those, what kind of impulses? Animal impulses. And all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin. He tells the... Let me just... Context. When Paul is talking... Leave that there. When Paul is talking to the Ephesians, those who are born again, he's showing them the contrast, once again, of how they used to be, what they were brought up in in their culture. Okay? Okay? He says, now you're in Christ. There is a difference. Okay? There is a difference. He begins to talk to the Ephesians of that difference. He starts saying about all of these things from 17 and 18 and 19. All of those things we looked at. Checking them. Giving them something to compare their behavior with. Right? Paul brings it further out. And helping us to understand that the way we have to handle the, that old lifestyle that keeps wanting to come up through our flesh, that whole where sin is trying to rule again, this is how we got to deal with it. We got to kill it. Kill what? What impulse are you talking about, Hobbs? All right. Sexual vice. Okay. Sexual vice. Sexual vice. Right. Because I'm, I, I'm, I'm laboring there because Holy Spirit was dealing with me to share this, because what happens many times, we often when we talk about sex and all that kind of stuff. We always think in terms of somebody who having sex with somebody else that they shouldn't be. And that is correct. OK, but it's so much more than that. When we look at fornication, even we get to fornication, we say, well, that's that's two unmarried people having sex. Or a married person with an unmarried person having sex—that's included. But don't you know fornication? Okay, I'm all loud with this. <laughs> no, it, it it needs to be. We need to hear it clearly and right. And I'm very, very serious about this. Watch this now. Fornication is the mother. Of adultery. Fornication simply means unlawful sexual behavior. Now watch, 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 watch it now. Underneath fornication is not only the obvious, but underneath it is idolatry. Idolatry is under the heading of fornication. The word fornication comes from the word pornia. What do you hear? Pornography. Pornography. Okay. So now when you're dealing with that, now that means if pornography is the issue, then that means, of course, it's unlawful sex or unlawful sexual behavior. So it's not necessarily engaging. Oh God. In the actual intercourse with someone, but it's the behavior. Right? So we got idolatry under that heading. Masturbation is under that heading. And the reality is there are many people who are dealing with that issue. I know y'all don't want to say amen. So on three, everybody say amen. One, two, three. Now we don't know if it's you, okay? No, and I'm going here because many people are getting trapped up in this thing and can't get out of that. It has become a sexual vice. Some people are married and still engaging. How do you, God, how do you do that? Here's how you do that. You have to image. Okay. You have to, in your imagination. Okay, the soul consists of, give me the five components. Imagination is part of that whole process. Okay. You have to get images. You have to reach into another realm. You have to get your mind set somewhere. Y'all y'all hear me? And y'all that got stuff in the house and toys and stuff, you need to get rid of it. It's the spirit behind all that stuff. Is pastor really talking about this? Are we really in a room and he's really, really talking about this? Where else are we going to hear from? To the mothers who have teens, I'm putting together. (coughs) I initiated today. I'm I'm doing a uh, survey that I'm going to give to the parents because I'm going to tell you straight up and down. I want to talk to your teens. I want to talk to your children. And I want to talk for real with them in the areas that they're dealing with that many parents don't want to face. I want to talk to them because I care about them and I love them. Because watch this now. And I'm going to end with this because I'm laboring too long. I'm going to end with this. Because watch this now. What's happening is there are too many teens who become young adults. And then growing into their adult life, watch this now, who are so not engaged in life properly yeah. until one day they grow up and now they want to do things right. And now they're 40 and 45 years old. Now they want to do things right. Watch this. They want to do things right now at that stage of their life. And now they have ruined their bodies. Y'all just, just don't leave me. Their bodies have been so used and abused because they've given it away so much to so many things, whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be women, whether it be men. They've given themselves over to so many things. And now when they're ready to do it right and now they want to have things right in their life that they bring that experience now and they give it now to someone. They want to give that life to someone now. Now that life can be redeemed by Jesus, of course. So I'm not, I'm not, trust me now, I'm not condemning. I'm just saying the wisdom of God is if you learn this stuff now, if we can learn Christ now, then later in life there will be no regrets. You won't be in your 40s and your 50s and 60s wishing you would have done life differently. Are y'all in here? Don't be scared. I'm serious though. And this is not, I'm not condemning anybody. You did what you did because you did it. That's where you were in life. That's where your decision-making processes were. This is supposed to help turn on the light that we talked about, turning off chaos, turning on light. This is just more light clicking. Some of us, our bodies are so racked up and so beat up and so beat down and we want to do it right now. God can do it. He can redeem it. But my point is the quality of life now has changed. Y'all better listen to me. Don't take offense to this either, but I'm talking to every one of us. and I don't want people waking up finally in life Waking up finally in life, and now in starting life, is very difficult at that age in life. You can still live a fulfilled life, but just imagine if you would have not wasted it before. I shared this in one of the other lessons, I think. Uh, uh, something <laughs> recovering, uh, with a, with divine. Rec- what, what was the message I taught on recovery? Yeah, yeah. One of the lessons I talked about. But you know, it, we, we have to real. And I'm, I'm, I'm laboring here because, because we got to dead this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parents, I'm gonna be coming to your teens. I, I hope you give me permission to do so. Yeah. But us tonight, we got to kill. Doesn't deprive of power, the evil desire lurking in your members, those animal impulses. Okay, sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed. Is there more? And covetousness, for that is idolatry. The, whoa, ooh, 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 ooh. the deifying of self and other created things instead of God. Glory to God. Somebody say, put it off. Put it off. I thought I was going to get further than that, but we're going to stop there. But uh, I'll end it like I ended it last week. I'm going to give you this word. Lord be our help. We're going <laughs> to do it next week. The word is "subdue." Subdue. Of course, subdued deals with conquering. Because the whole idea now is if sin had dominion, then we have to dethrone it. Okay? We have to dethrone it so that God could have dominion. Okay? And watch, if God has dominion, and he does, he can now give it back to us like he did in the garden. We have to dethrone sin. But you've got to catch it first. Subduing. Subduing. Subduing has to do with this um, aggressive uh, engaging in warfare. When you subdue something, you're not passive about it. You are very, very Aggressive. Because you cannot play with that old man. Missionary, you cannot play with the old man. The old man, the old man, oh my God, the old man is very true. You can't play with the old man. Brown, you know, you, you can't play with the old man. The old man don't need a whole lot of room. And because if sin is in control, (laughs) it perpetuates and things get worse and worse in your soul. Okay. And because it's rapidly moving like that, you have to aggressively go after it. You got to subdue it. You got to catch it. Wrestle that bad boy down. Conquer it. Hallelujah. Wrap it up. Legs. And wrap it up. Just like the cowboys do when they them bulls, they ride them. Bulls get out there, right? And, they got, and then they wrestle them down. And That's, right. That's how you got to do. You got to handle the flesh that way. You got to subdue it. And once you subdue it, once you conquer it, hallelujah, you can assume your position on the throne again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll finish this next week. Yeah, I know where I'm at. We'll finish this next week. All right. We're going to rope, rope that little thing up, subdue it, take dominion again. We're going to look at the spirit of our mind. Amen. So we can understand the renovation process and then we will be done. We'll know what to say to these things. Amen. All right. Y'all receive that tonight. Alright, if you received it, come on, give God a good praise right there. <coughs> come on, give him a, I got it praise. <laughs> give him, I received that praise. Hallelujah!